coming to get you, Barbara. Here's some money. Go see a Star Wars. But I'm trying, Rainbow. I'm trying real hard to be the shepherd. Welcome back to Long Walk Talks. My name is David Hensley. I'm the owner and creative director of Long Walk Productions, and I am joined tonight by my two co-hosts, Stan Wilson-Lee. Hello. And Chris Wilson Barnes. Hey, why don't you do the intro tonight? I think I will, thank you. There it is. Because it's uh, my turn to do my four perfect ten picks after uh, Stan did his January through April and Chris did his in May through August. And tonight we're going to be kicking off my selection with the 1987 classic, depending on who you ask, Robocop. Robocop. Who is he? What is he? Where did he come from? Fantastic. Thank you for that alley-oop. Let me start by asking, is this the first time either of you guys had seen this before? Yes, it was for me. Stan, what about you? I've seen it several times, but it was the first time in a a while. Nice. So um, I'm going to kick it off officially with uh, something we didn't really discuss with the other picks, and that's, uh, in your opinion, I've made it well known on this podcast how much I love this movie before. Um, Is it... A 10. Stan, kick us off. Um, I mean, all of ours have been subjectively 10, so it's like whether you think it's, you know, a, a rated 10, 10 out of 10 movie, it's, you know, it's going to be totally where, where you're in coming in from and what your context of the movie is and what you feel the style is and stuff. So, But, uh, but for me, it, it's definitely of that period and of that time and of that style uh, and genre – yeah, I think it's one of the better ones. Answer Definitely. the question, Senator. Well, I mean, all of us on this show are well known <laughs> for our objectivity when it comes to our answers. You know, I, I think old boy is a 10. So it's like, <laughs> so it's like um, for you to think this is a 10, it's like this is probably structurally probably more sound than old boy is or, you know, or um, Chris, but it's still, Chris is nodding his head. It still has I the wasn't going to be rude and interrupt. Of, it still has the same type of... Uh, uh, questions abound by it. So and ultraviolence and ultraviolence. So it's like, uh, uh, sure, it's a ten. Definitely, it's definitely up there. Uh, Chris, for your first time viewing, what would you say? I would. I no, I wouldn't say ten, but I'd say it's very high. Um, I'd put it around an eight at least. Nice. Um, I saw this movie very young, way too young, <laughs> and it had a huge <laughs> impact on. Uh, my love of I film. I imagine it would. <laughs> uh, yeah, it uh, definitely desensitized me uh-huh. to a lot of things, including you know extreme graphic violence. But naturally, it's one of those movies that when you watch as a kid, you're like, "Wow, robots blowing things up and action scenes." And you get older, and you start seeing uh, the the layers to this movie, mm-hmm. which is going to be our next topic: um, the sheer number of genres that are mashed up into one film that is ostensibly on the surface an action movie. Mm-hmm. Like most people think of this and they think 80s action movie. Buddy cop. Buddy <laughs> cop movie. Well, it, star- it's, it, tri- it, it starts yeah. off like that. Whereas I, <laughs> that was one thing that got me was, um, was uh, what's, her, what's her name? Lewis. Lewis, Lewis really attaches herself to Murphy but they knew each other for half a day. <laughs> right. I mean, they bonded Even. really well, yeah. but... Yeah, exactly. They, Murphy gets killed on the same day that they get paired up. Um, 
so in addition to being an action movie, it's also a very, very dark comedy, mm-hmm. like uh, the bleakest of bleak. And uh, the the kind of dark humor where you should well, it's kind of be ashamed for laughing at. Well, it, it's it, that's good. I, I think it, it's. I think we we talked about it earlier. It's just like it, it's definitely more. It's it's it, there is comedic moments, but it's definitely more in the realm of satire, where it's not necessarily meant to be laughed at. Right. But, but it is comedic in a way. The way the film is presented and the way it's laid out, I almost separate dark comedy and satire into two completely That's true. different That's true. subgenres. Um, I, I've told the both of you and I've told a lot of other people, I think one of my favorite jokes of all time is in the bleakest of scenes in this movie at the very beginning when uh, Kenny gets shot up at ED-209. Mm-hmm. There's a long silence and then somebody in that boardroom goes, will somebody call a goddamn paramedic? Yeah, and I remember catching that, thankfully, because I had the, the uh, subtitles on. And I just, I know, we, again, we, we mentioned that to each other. It's like, I, me- I remember just immediately thinking, what are they going to do? Yeah. <laughs> My thing in that same scene is, don't touch don't touch him. Don't touch him. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, has somebody kind of called a paramedic? Don't touch him. <laughs> um, that, that scene raises so many questions, like, why did they load ED-209 with live ammo for this demonstration? Um, why did they keep the gun that Kenny was using in the demonstration in the boardroom also fully loaded? <laughs> These are the most irresponsible Fortune 500 board members of all time. What do you mean he didn't hear the gun drop? Well, they're military um industrialists so yeah so even though they were business guys they're still you know making stuff for the military so yeah they're gonna have okay they may be making things for the military (laughs) i would not trust a single one of those people with a weapon of any no either of course not no way especially not with an enforcement droid (laughs) um but just by nature of the plot of the film, it's also very much a sci-fi film. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's got very heavy um, horror elements in a sure. lot of it. Oh, yeah. If, if not, like, straight-up horror, then, like, body horror. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. A very, um, not David, yeah, David Lynchian. Cronenberg. Da- and David Cronenbergian levels of body horror. And, and psychological, consider, when you consider, like, the, like the absolute pain that uh, Murphy is going yes. through mm-hmm. in his tra- and becoming RoboCop. Yes. Um, Murphy is played by Peter Weller, by the way. Yes, the in- great, inimitable great, great. Peter Weller, who is just so fucking good in that role, both as Alex Murphy and then as RoboCop. Um, it just, if you ever get bored, read like his process of preparing for that role and what he put himself through to play RoboCop in that massive suit that he could barely move in. <laughs> right. Um, that on the second day of filming, they had to build mechanical fans into the suit because he, I think he lost like 10 pounds on the first day of filming. Oh just my sweating. God. Yeah. Uh, it's fascinating stuff, but, uh, I can't think of, well, aside from like other Paul Verhoeven films, like, um, Star, uh, Starship Troopers, I can't think of another film that has just so many genres in one 100 minute running time. It's interesting, and and also on top of that, like you talk about the satire of of world events and specifically America, and it's it's very interesting that they let 
an, outs, an, an outsider to America do that for a, a film that was getting released in America? Well, I think because, is he German, Swedish, what's... Uh, 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 Norwegian. Norwegian. Because I think only a, a Norwegian... Danish, I'm sorry. Danish. Danish. A European filmmaker yes. could take those Scandy. kind of uh, satirical pot shots at America mm-hmm. and, and American media and get away with it. Because much like nobody understood when Starship Troopers came out that that whole movie is a satire, mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of American audiences understood that like, those media breaks, that is 100% satire. Oh, yeah. I, that, those are one of the most fascinating parts of the movie to me, especially because it's like it's, it's an interesting look. It's like this is what you, we kind of look like to the rest of the world. It's like it's, it's, the, it's that kind of joke that can only be made from an outsider's perspective, and it's very interesting to watch. This is also the movie that made me realize that news reports are the perfect exposition. Oh, absolutely. Like, you can put a news report in a movie and have uh, the newscaster deliver all the exposition you want, and it's going to seem perfectly natural if you've ever watched the news before. Thanks, thanks to stuff like Rift Tracks and like Red Letter Media's Best of the Worst, I've seen like movies that like followed RoboCop, and even if they're not exactly the same kind of movie, I think it helps show that too because uh, so many of them will have a, a scene where someone can do that, mm-hmm. where someone can drop or drop all that exposition they need and, into a, a news broadcast. Yep, uh, I think yeah, the movie uses those media breaks brilliantly because it's not just the newscast; it's also the commercials for fake products. <laughs> Um, like the um, press the uh, the hearts, the artificial hearts. Oh God! Yes, that that oh that's that's an especially good uh, bit of satire from someone who, who who likely comes from a country where they have socialized medicine. Where right. They, exactly. Where it's like so so they have a commercial where it's like they talk about the newest brand of heart models for for people for cardiac patients who need them and this like they just they just very subtly like in a real commercial just slip in that word financing mm-hmm. like, <laughs> financing yeah financing options are available let's not forget about the uh, 6000 SUX yeah the new sports car that gets 8.2 miles <laughs> to the gallon big is <clears throat> back I, I really is like that commercial because I I, I saw the start of it it's like wow the the effects team made like a like a classic uh, stop motion stop motion monster movie just for that commercial. Yes, you yeah that commercial starts it cuts. I can't remember exactly what the scene is, but the movie cuts from something very dramatic mm-hmm. straight into that commercial, which starts with a claymation T Rex dropping through the city before they reveal that it's a car commercial. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get more absurd than that. <laughs> yeah. And and just how hard on the head the the heart commercial is, is like, I looked at that and was like, oh God, there's really not that much. There's no difference. No. <laughs> there's no difference. No. Good satire should be in, almost indistinguishable from the real thing. If anything, that looks like a better option than what we're dealing with today. <laughs> oh, for sure. Um, well, in addition to everything that I just said, you know, it's a, an action movie. It's a satire. It's a dark comedy, horror, psychological horror. Um, it's also, at least according to Verhoeven, the director himself, and a lot of people who have analyzed this film to hell and back, it's also very heavily a biblical allegory. I can see that. Um, so that's my next question. Um, was Verhoeven leaning into it too hard? Did it make sense? Was it too much? What do you guys think? No, because honestly, without you bringing that up, one, I can see it now that I saw it once you mentioned it, mm-hmm. but I didn't feel like it was overt at all. 
Stan? I, I agree with Chris. Um, it was, if there's anything, um, it's so downplayed. The, the idea that, you know, the good guys are the good guys, the bad guys are the bad guys, that's clear. You know, but the uh, idea that you're being drummed into a religious awakening, you know, that's definitely not there. You know, it's like the allegories, it's more, it's definitely more a story. If, if it, it's a biblical story as opposed to a biblical revelation as opposed to if, if anything. So, um, yeah, it, it's way, it's way not too much in my opinion. You hear that Zack Snyder? There's a subtle way to do it. <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> I don't. You're talking mind to two, yeah. You're talking to two Zack Snyder fans. Oh, I know. But I don't I, mind I, Zack Snyder. I I am painfully aware of how uh, unsubtle Zack Snyder is, and yet I'm still a fan. But yeah, I think the name of the game here is <clears throat> subtlety because before I read it online and I had it pointed out to me. No, I would have never picked up on any of the symbolism in the movie. And, and again, um, being a Danish filmmaker, all their stuff has allegor- is allegorical. So it's like yeah, being a Swedish, Norwegian, German, Danish film director, you know, Scandinavian, you know, Bergman, everything. You know, it's like oh yeah, you know, the idea that everything's an allegory, um, but you're never hit over the head with it. Um, it's because that's that's what they've been taught you know, their whole life. Well, to the point where you don't even really hear much of a mention of religion at all in the movie, period. No, not at all. But like, uh, it's mentioned in that first police or that first media break, um, uh, Boddicker's 32nd victim is in the hospital, which would have made, um, uh, Murphy, his 33rd victim. Mm -hmm. Um, the Boddicker shooting Murphy in the hand is supposed to be allegorical to the nail through the uh, palm. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Um, To the point where um, Robocop, when he is confronting Boddicker at the end, when they're in that pit, Robocop is framed to look like he's walking on water. Oh, yeah. Again, as soon as you say it, it's like, I see. Okay, yeah. Boddicker is ankle deep in that water, but when it cuts to Robo, he is walking across the top of the water. Mm -hmm. That's a lot to look for look for right, right. if you're looking for it yes and so the you know people looking for it yes it's going to be a blatant you know allegory blatant reference but you're not going to if you're just watching it and taking in uh the moment you're really not going to oh wait that was you know because no he got his hand shot off it wasn't a nail into a cross right it, it, it was just his hand being blown off or because you're not really looking for him to walk on the water because he's a giant robot. So it's like, well, if you want to get boots are tall, <laughs> if you want to get more on the nose than the um, getting his hand shot off, he literally gets his side pierced by Boddicker <laughs> yes. with a spear. Yes. At the end. yes. But still, I mean, again, it's stuff that you, you have to be looking right hard for that. If uh, unless you're unless you're a total scholar, you're not going to get it just by watching it. The broiest of film bros. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's swerve away from that for a second. Uh, this is probably going to be a very brief discussion, and it's going to be one of those, uh, hey, isn't this great kind of discussions? Mm. But let's talk about the fucking score. <laughs> very, very, it fits the film very well. Basil Polidorus's score is phenomenal, and it's a crime that this is the only movie that it got used for. It's not used in the reboot or any of the sequels or the TV shows. Um, 
God, I just, I, I love, I love the use of his main theme song and how it's very much like the Indiana Jones theme song in that whenever you hear those chords start playing, you know something awesome is about to mm-hmm. happen. Um, it's used a couple of times throughout the movie. First, when uh, Murphy is, uh, when RoboCop goes out on his first night of patrol. Yeah. When he raids the Coke factory. And then again, at, during <laughs> that's the, a fun scene. <laughs> I fucking love. First of all, just because it's, it's it's to the point where it's so where you can be so brazen in old Detroit about your drug making that you just have a giant <laughs> Coke factory. Yeah, I love it. it yeah, um, I mean, Stan, you lived in Detroit. Did you drive by any Coke? Well, factories? I lived an hour north of Detroit. Thank you, but because uh, I'm from Flint, remember? Um, but uh, but Detroit was famous for taking buildings and making and and refurbishing them as something else than they originally were it's like i mean i used to dance at the city club which used to be basically a super huge speakeasy and they you know basically destroyed the top end of it but in the basement it was this great goth club so it's like i was about to say is it, it anything like the edm club that it, um, yes yes RoboCop goes to? yes and um if and if you've seen the crow a lot of uh, top dollars clubs stuff is, that's very similar to what the city club was, um, and uh, goth bands would play there. and And the ceiling, remember, is is not that high. So the idea that these places were used for things that they're not supposed to be used for, yes, that's very popular in Michigan. <laughs> and uh, uh, a lot of stuff is refurbished, but uh, but and and the whole card bigger biggest back and stuff that was very for me very detroit michigan flint type thing you told that whole story about the club you went to like you were under an nda and trying to be as non-specific as possible that's what that whole thing (laughs) sounded like to me i'm not saying that it was uh underneath a coke factory but it wasn't a coke factory but um but there may have been coke done in it It was the 80s. You would be hard pressed to find some place where Coke wasn't being snorted. It was the you 80s and early 90s, a, yes. You I, couldn't swing a dead cat. I, I told you it. on the way over, I was, like, I was like, this is an 80s movie about the excesses of capitalism a- and everything. A- absolutely. And I was like, where is the Coke? And then it got to Bob Morton's desk. <laughs> Bob Morton snorting Coke from between a woman's breasts. Yes. Oh, the pure. way it's supposed to be done. No, I mean. <laughs> Um, I want to give <clears throat> give a shout out to that one actress who's in the scene or in the movie for one <laughs> scene who gets to deliver that little speech about how she's an intellectual <laughs> and has one of my favorite lines in all of cinema. <laughs> Sometimes I can just think of something and it gets me so horny. <laughs> That's very Michigan, too. <laughs> Is it? You dated a lot of Michigan girls like that, huh? Yeah. This, we started this by talking about the score, and now we're talking Michigan about Coke women. factories and Michigan women. Please don't sue I'm gonna me. Get, I'm going to get in trouble, man. You, you I'm going to get some notes. And by extension, this whole podcast sued no, by I'm the state get some of Michigan. No, I'm going to get some notes, man, because at least you guys aren't from there, so I got friends. <laughs> Anyway, well, they kind of they kind of embraced. Didn't they have a statue of RoboCop for the longest they time? They literally did. Yes, <laughs> I think it got taken down a few years ago. Yeah. But yeah, um, Detroit really loves them some RoboCop. Um, the score, it's great. All mm-hmm. right, the the score is very very good. Um, 
All right, so we've already sort of touched on this, so we probably won't take too long on it, but much like the biblical allegories, the satire of the film. Yes. Uh, too far, not far enough, or right on the money? Well, honestly, at this point, the satire accurately kind of predicted where we are now. It's like, it, it, like it, it, I think it was, at the time, over the top, probably, but now it's like... Oh, they were kind of hopeful about the future, honestly, <laughs> right. uh, because it's like it's mainly the satire is about corporate greed mm-hmm. and capitalism in general, because you get that vibe because it's all because even the best of people in, in uh, Amazon, I mean, OCP, um, <laughs> were really not good people. Yeah, very not good people. Records from them. Man. <laughs> I need somebody to deep fake Jeff Bezos's face. <laughs> Onto the old man's face for, from OCP. I mean, when we were comparing the characters, it's like, it's like, I, I, it's like it was weird. Like I told you, Bob Morton uh, is better than Dick Jones, who is clearly evil. <laughs> Bob Morton isn't much better, but it was like I was telling you, he's very much if you were if if you were given to give him an alignment, he's lawful evil, mm-hmm. or what I called corporate neutral. True that, <laughs> but. Uh, because it's like he he because he manages to make RoboCop and he's so in, so interested in in impressing the old man who they don't ever name as the guy who's the head of the company. Um, he's so he's so interested in impressing him that he builds a good cop and programs him with the directives to actually uh, do his job do his job to the best of his ability. It's like you only find out later. Dick Jones snuck in the secret. You know, Dick Jones. the secrets cover my ass uh, directive, mm-hmm. Richard. And then, but then they, they talk about how good the old man is and how a good man he is. And it's like, but in the scene where the guy gets killed by Ed 209, uh, he's, he, he turns to, to Dick Jones, chastises him like, a, like his son and goes, this will, he's like, he's like, you got to fix this because it's going to set back my whole plan to build, build a new city. <laughs> I think he says it could uh, set them back. Uh, the taxes alone would be worth fifty, fifty million dollars. Yeah. yeah, it's just he like, had a little bit of heart, though. Oh, no, he I did. Mean, it's and like I think I think um, uh, the, Dick Jones was more Bezos than well, the, the old the, man was. The whole point of the then, old man was like even the the best of those of the corporate people is are going to get corrupted. Well, yeah, he's anyway, still he's yeah. still kind of corrupt. He's still at best he's indifferent to the suffering of others. Yeah. Um, well, but he does realize that some robots are worse than others. That was the lesson, yes. <laughs> Hashtag not all robots. Um, well, I don't think the people who conceptualized the 6,000 SUX and its 8.2 <laughs> miles per gallon could have ever predicted that the Hummer would ever become a commercial vehicle. <laughs> exactly. Um, which famously boasted, I think, only slightly better, like nine miles per gallon. Well, it's, yeah, it was, it was like they made it worse on the subsequent models of it somehow. Like the H2 and H3 were like worse than the original. Yeah. Which is interesting because one of the new, because, uh, oh, the Equinox, the E-Equinox yeah. is going to be end of 2023 um, at $30,000 for the uh, base E-Equinox. Um, the Equinox. The E-Equinox. But the um, but point of the story is that uh, they're also introducing, you know, there's, GM is Keeping the Hummer in line, there's going to be an E-based Hummer. An electric Hummer. An electric Hummer, <laughs> which yeah. will get 12 miles to That's going to be the name of my autobiography. 
Um, I also don't think that the, uh, it was uh, Ed Newmeyer who wrote the script. And I also don't think uh, when he wrote the line, I'd buy that for a dollar, <laughs> could have ever predicted Bazinga. Oh, God, yeah. Or any other of the... That, that show, which I, I found out because I watched a deleted scene where they actually show you the actual like, show graphic name. It's called It's Not My Problem. It was such a good, uh, it was such a, it was such a good representation of like crap TV or entertainment that gets made to distract people because mm-hmm. everyone in the show who was about to have a problem or, and, or like when Emil's on the street just watching it, but like when the, the guy, the guy at the convenience store gets robbed earlier, he's watching the show and he's enjoying it. Uh, it's just like, it, it pops up as just like, it's just just sad escapism because the guy on the show is like this kind of like I don't I don't want to I don't want to talk he's bad a about dweeb him. He's, he's a dweeb he's kind of a schlub um, he's short and balding and he has glasses on yeah and he but things constantly go his way in the show mm-hmm. they, things, he constantly lucks out things he's surrounded are surrounded by scantily clad busty women yeah things are going his way it's just like it's this escapism that they just shovel feed the people to be like see see so th- this is what this is what we think you are and like here here's here's a version of you winning so enjoy that I, I'm just now realizing hearing you talk about it that Bixby is the like harbinger of doom because you're absolutely right every time somebody watches that show in the movie something horrible happens shortly yeah. afterwards and then like the one time it's not someone having something happen to them it's a meal watching it and then it, then the riot kicks in mm-hmm. stan your thoughts re-satire uh, it's definitely right on uh and at that time he got he, verhoven got a lot of a lot of stuff aimed at him for being so fatalistic and so that his satire was just too much and you know that he got he got lambasted but now he's like told you yeah. <laughs> and that's why he's got a third act as a director now and he's coming back to do more stuff and everything even after showgirls and everything is like because everything he put out there happened you know so yeah, um, this prom- this movie had the same problem. Actually, no, let me rephrase that, because I, I would be curious to know when this movie came out if it had the same uh, pratfalls that Starship Troopers had, which came out just 10 years later in 1997, uh, because people looked at Starship Troopers as just an over-the-top action movie made in the wrong decade, when it was even more of a straight-up satire yep. of American nationalism and military jingoism than RoboCop was of consumerism, right? Um, I'd be, I'd, I, I would love to, you know, <clears throat> have just been a fly on the wall in 1987 when this came out and see if it had the same issues. It, there was a lot. There was a lot. Um, probably not as, definitely not as much as Showgirls. And probably not as much as uh, Starship, Tro- Starship Trooper got. But it's, it's the risk you always run with satire. Yep. It's yeah. that some people are just going to take it at face value and be like, yeah, hell yeah. Especially, especially when, like you said, Chris, earlier, and I was just, I was saying that it's so on the nose and so correct and so right on that, you know, it takes 30, 40 years before, oh, yeah. He was right. Yeah, because <laughs> it's it's, 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 so, it's so outrageous, but at the same time, it's outrageous in a way that's like based on the current trends of the time. It just the excess that they put it to is just like, yeah, if things don't get better, this is about where the where they'll be. I mean, you take any, you take a topic, 
<clears throat> any topic and you take it to its logical extreme. Mm -hmm. Like, all right, American consumerism, gas, uh, uh, gas consumption is insane. Let's take that to its logical conclusion. Here's a top dollar high-end vehicle that only gets eight miles per gallon. You, you take that to a, its logical conclusion and eventually you, you're probably gonna be proven right. Um, yeah. Let's uh, swerve in a completely different direction again now. Um, for a man who is mainly remembered for playing Red Foreman <laughs> on that 70s show. Brilliant character. Though. How fucking good is Kurt Wood Smith as the villain, quite possibly one of the most despicable villains of all time in this movie? Fantastic. So, yeah, so good. Also, it's, it's important to note, those roles are only about 10 years apart. Yeah, less than. Because, again, this is 87, and yep. when did... Uh... 97. Okay, so that yeah. 70 show started in 97? Yeah, it did. Wait, it was either 97 or 99. I think it was 97. It was 97. Okay. Yeah, insane. Like, Boddicker is such a vile human being, but Kurtwood Smith has such a fucking charisma. Yeah, that's where, that's where a lot of my guilty laughs came from, because, I, like, I, like I put in the, the chat when, we, when you, after you put up the... Um, the topics and I was watching it uh, I was like he's got a real Sam Rockwell kind of energy yes there's a, there's a, there's a little mm. bit of a man like he'll switch on a dime like when it's more serious it, when it's more serious for time for him to be serious he's serious but he especially when he's going in to see Dick Jones he's got this little manic vibe when he's hitting on the sanic secretary and all those Richard he's, he's so <laughs> gleeful about uh, some of the things he gets to do fun trivial fact the secretary in that scene is Smith's actual wife oh wow yeah um you're talking about that manic energy. I love when, uh, again, Coke warehouse scene. Yeah, yeah. He, Boddicker has his men threaten this drug dealer and his men threaten to blow his head off. Yeah. And then he starts drumming on the desk and going, Bobby, the Tigers are playing in Detroit tonight. <laughs> I really want to see He's the He's like, game. we got to get this done. I, I want to go see the I Tigers. never miss a game. I never yeah. miss a game. <laughs> yeah, just the, the fucking energy that he brings to that role is insane. Do love the fact that um, he's a Tigers fan. Of course gotta, you do. Gotta admit that. And it's baseball, and he didn't say, the Lions are playing. It doesn't 100% track, but he, yeah, when in, his, in the more sadistic, manic moments, I got a Joker vibe from him. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. With the exception of, he didn't have Joker's laugh, but the other guy did oh have Joker's God. laugh. I, okay, the, he was like the one character that I was really? turned off by because he was just, he, I know he was meant to be, but he was just very annoying. I oh, yeah. Um, of all of his villainous henchmen, that guy was the most over the top. I wish I could remember his name. There was Emil. Um, shit, what I were think, the names I think of Ray Wise's was Leon or something? Yes. Ray Wise was Because Leon. I got great. to meet Ray Wise did, at Bad yeah. Monster a few years ago. Oh, fun fact while you're looking that up. Um, there, there's a Verhoeven cameo in the movie. Uh, at the they, club. Yeah, they show it off in the special, the special features. Yeah, because was, that wasn't really meant to be on camera. He was, there, he was off to the side hyping up the dancers when they were going. He was like trying to show them the kind of energy they were supposed to have. And that, but uh, when they apparently when they were done shooting, it swung around to him. So, but then that footage was he was on camera briefly, and then it showed up in editing as it is it, a that's it's a cut to him going wild when Robocop is dragging Leon out by his hair because he's literally looking at the camera. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
okay, looking at the uh, headshots of these actors who yeah. played his gang as adults <laughs> is hilarious because uh, the guy that we're talking about with the obnoxious laugh, yeah. uh, the, the character's name is Joe Cox. That's right, yeah. The uh, actor's name is Jesse D. Goins. I'm guessing it's Goins. Um, I, I, I know this is an audio medium, and so we are, no one's going to see this unless they look it up. But I want you two to just look at this man's headshot now. Oh, yeah, no, people need to look that up. He, he looks like a retired councilman. Yeah, he does or not. principal. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> High um, school principal. Oh, man. Um, yeah. But I want to say he was, he, was one of the <clears throat> he was one of the warriors, I believe. Or if not the warriors, he was one of the, um, uh, oh, my gosh, the main gang the, uh, that Cyrus was leader of the only other gang from there that i can remember are the baseball furies ah the greatest well there's the orphans the um, orphans there's i no, we can play this game all night isn't <laughs> it? <clears throat> yeah no let's not um but yeah i just wanted to take a minute to talk about uh kurt woodsmith and what a what a weird career he's always, projection he's always been a great actor and i think is like he didn't get enough chances to show off that kind of energy because mm-hmm. a lot most of his other roles he's just he's more subdued he just sits there and glowers. Yeah, as as Red or just in other roles. Because mm-hmm. I mean, when when that seventy show was running, he he also did a, a guest shot on Void on Star Trek Voyager, and I saw that, and it was just like he was just really uh, regretful, penitent mm-hmm. character, and just like you know, a, a good a good acting. It was just like this was such a, a, a different breath of air from him. Yeah, he is also responsible for two line readings that have stuck with me for my entire. <laughs> my entire adult life um number one being the iconic bitches lee yeah <laughs> when he uh i that's that's good because it's it's like again it's the, one of the moments where he contrasts his manic energy because it's just very blunt it's not not harsh but blunt like bitches leave bitches leave um, and, and, and they're not insulted by it either. No. That's, that's the best part. Is of that course it's, not. They're the, high on cocaine. They're not going to be insulted you know, by like anything. They are prostitutes they, high yeah, on cocaine. They, they, know what, they know what they are in this. Oh, that's us. We're the bitches. We got to go. <laughs> the other one, um, line, the other one of uh, Boddicker's lines is after uh, Robocop finally arrests him, takes him in, um, he <laughs> tells the police to book him. Yep. Boddicker is standing there covered in cuts from all this glass because while arresting him while arresting him robocop threw him through four different panes of glass yes and he had each one coming yes oh 100 but the officers are all standing there looking at boniker he spits this enormous wad of blood on the paperwork (laughs) what i think is supposed to be his paperwork yeah and he looks at sergeant reed and he goes just give me my fucking Fucking phone call (laughs) (laughs) the delivery of that line has stuck with me for the better part of like uh, 30 years. Just the, uh, he's so good. And that character is so classic. And it's, and this was, this has always been my thing with Robocop is that there's so many levels of performances and level of acting. I don't know, experience, you know, you got Nancy Allen who is probably lowest on the rung and, and, performance quality and stuff but she's great um but the the thing is kurtwood smith is like the one that and maybe um the guy who plays dick jones they're like the classically trained actors so the the 
specificity of their performances is just so different than the rest of the and but but it doesn't seem like it's out of place mm-hmm. ever because of the style of the film and and I love that about it. it's like Kurtwood Smith is like yeah, we got you. We somehow we were able to afford you. So yeah, do your shit. <laughs> Every character in this movie might as well have Ron been Cox. in a in their own completely different movie. And it and it makes sense because I mean, like of how they separate out the different layers of of people in Detroit. It's like you've got the corporate people removed from it all. You've Absolutely. got Boddicker and his gang leading the uh, the wave of crime. Yeah. And then you've got the cops just trying to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and then and then we go and we got, you know, Buckaroo Banzai as well. I was about to say. Know? So it's like let's uh, not forget Peter Weller. Peter Weller is like just a great actor all around and uh, who I'm pretty sure we've been accidentally stealth insulting this time by not referring to him as Dr. Peter he's Weller. an art professor. That's right. Yes. He's an art professor. Mm, yes. a, um, and he voiced Batman in one of the uh, animated. Did. Yeah, the, the Dark Knight Returns. Yes, the, that one. The adaptation. Um, okay, so I want to move into, uh, now that we've gotten like the serious discussion topics out of the way, huh? there were two things that I thought of that I just had to throw in here as discussion topics, uh, <clears throat> mainly to do with the whole... Um, you know, we, we talked a lot about the heart replacement um, uh, commercial that's in the movie. <laughs> and a lot of time is given in the movie to uh, Robo's prosthetic parts. Money is no object, hypothetically, and we have the technology to replace any body part you want. What are you replacing? Am I limited to one? Let's keep it in one group. Arms and legs. So just the limbs. Yeah, if you said keep it to one group, if I, if I had more options, I'd also say sinuses. <laughs> oh, I mean, if I had the option, I'd just have mine removed entirely. I don't know what function <laughs> the sinuses... You still need them. <laughs> do I, though? Yes. What, what function do they serve other than to annoy me? They, well, if they functioned properly, you wouldn't know. <laughs> uh, that's a good point. Uh, you know what? Sure. I was going to say cut off my legs just above the knee uh-huh. and replace that with robot legs. But if, we're, if we can get robot, robot sinuses. Ro- you said robot. I did not. You said robot If legs. we can get robot sinuses, <laughs> hell yeah, I'm making that but, happen. I'll stick but, with my legs a little longer. But I, I said arms and legs because of multiple reasons. Like my knees are, are terrible. Oh, yeah. Um, I've got the knees of a 60-year-old man. And it's like my arm is like I have I have had and in conjunction and at different points I have had tendonitis, tennis elbow, and I ha- and I'm currently my rotator cuff is is kind of fucked. And you don't play tennis? <laughs> I do not. No, I did in high school, but that doesn't. But that's but that's just a weird cutesy name for a repetitive stress injury. I play golf. Uh, yes, you do. <laughs> you know, the more I think about it, actually, let's just go full robo. Uh, just. Take my face and graft it onto a robot's head. You know what? Yeah, fine. Honestly, because if, if I can, you know, data spike and get all the information. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Stan, what body part or parts are you replacing? Um, Don't say you're Robo Dick. Needs a new one. Did I take that from you? No, because <laughs> I, 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 I'm kind of insulted that, that you thought I was going to go that he, way. His theme song um, could be "Detachable Penis." No, because we were taught, which is a great song, actually. Um, we were talking about this earlier about, you know, my back and stuff. So if I, I'd replace, you know, if adamantium was available, you know, give me a spine. And then we were talking about 
I, I'm kind of in agreement with you, Chris, about especially my arms. Yeah. And the phantom, you know, anything that has to do with the nerves, me, because I get all these phantom, oh, shit, my nerves are fucking me up. <laughs> I don't even like, want, like, super strength or anything. So I just want, want this to stop. Work, working shit. <clears throat> I just, just want my shit to work. Just all of this gestures wildly. <laughs> and, uh, so my back, definitely, especially my lower yeah. back, if I, if I could lift people up in my arms and maybe carry them across the threshold or something. Across without, the threshold. Across the threshold without my back going pop, 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 pop. All right, so you're getting a robotic spine. Robotic. Chris is getting. I'll arms just say and arms legs, and legs, yeah. And I'm replacing everything and putting, Sinus. cutting my face off and putting it on the robot's head. Sure. You also get a. That means you get a cool robot voice too. Uh, yeah, I mean, if I could keep my voice, that'd be great. Also, like if, if in this hypothetical situation, if I could get something that's a little less, um, you know, boxy and uh, awkward. Like, give me a size medium RoboCop. Well, like, now, well you, now, also, you know, you you get like a Minority Report or a, a Deus Ex Machina body. So, it's well, like, well, hopefully, yeah, hopefully it's they'll totally also just go ahead and uh, take care of like your digestive system too, so that you don't have to eat baby food for the rest of your life. Yeah, and there's that. <clears throat> Although I feel like I would, after some point, start missing food. You know yeah. what? I'm back on board with you. Replace my arms and legs. <laughs> that's, that's like the primary <laughs> and my thing. Yeah, spine. Spine. And probably also my lungs. I've put those through a lot of abuse. You and know, while liver. we're at it, my liver. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, and since, <clears throat> since I got COVID now, probably my lungs too. So. Kidneys just in case. Yeah. <laughs> Kidneys probably should go. You may, you may as well just start making Why, why don't we just make me a new, a new me? Yeah, Completely, uh, utterly. <laughs> I'm sure you guys would like that. Throw out the old stand, <laughs> new robot stand. <laughs> new robot stand is probably better than the old stand. So, aw. But, but true. <laughs> And, um, but what he'd be is well, funny. yeah, but you shouldn't say it. What he'd be is fun and, and interesting. Well, we'd have probably to, not. He'd be a robot. We'd have to program <laughs> the fun into you. Like, here are your prime directives well, we, based off. Stan's but you'd have a you'd have a four. It's like Stan can't <laughs> kill us or something. Well, no, Stan can't talk about killing. Stan us can't anymore. mispronounce words like he loves to do. <laughs> Like robot? D yeah. <laughs> Directive four, Stan can't say robot as robot. Directive five, he can't say Leonardo DiCaprio as Leonardo DiCaprio. No, don't do that, though. Yes. Do I? You do. Um, and then I'm pretty sure that it was Patton Oswalt, right, who made famous the whole, remember when RoboCop shot that dude in the dick? I, I don't know who. I, I wanna, I, I'll gladly attribute it to him. I just remember seeing it pop up on the when it became... A big, uh, just it kind of spread through the uh, the internet, to 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 cap off with the one fan at a convention taking a picture with Peter Weller in a shirt that says that. Yes, but the the the, the awesomeness of the of the aiming technology that mm -hmm. was available. If, imagine if we had that for like our you know combative drones instead of you know that could you know actually target something that was actually worth targeting you know? instead of just dropping bombs on schools or something you know it's like so it's like um it the, the one of the more interesting parts is that's that's one of the moments where they let you know that there's still that murphy's still in there mm -hmm. yes because uh, there's that the way he re reholsters his gun they they drop all these 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 hints that are that are just you know unless you're not paying attention at all it's like you know it's like oh you know, there's still some of Murphy in there. Dead or alive, you're coming with me. Yep. Yeah. And um, 
And it all goes back. Uh, it's like we haven't mentioned her enough. Na- Nancy Allen as Lewis. You know, mm-hmm. it's like one of my first crushes in that in that period of time. You know, along with D. Wallace, as we all know. Um, so, but. I thought there was just going to be a pause there while you were thinking about Nancy Allen and Dee Wallace. <laughs> I, I feel was, like I was resisting, but yes. Um, you distracted yourself. That was she, she does great. I, just, I, feel, I feel like part of the, I think part of the, the satire is a, little, is a little bit in Lewis's and Murphy's relationship because they knew each other and they got along well for like half a day and then Murphy fucking bites it. I, and that's what I'm saying is that, and, and that's why I had brought up earlier that she's like the least actor worthy of this group of this troop of folk you know and it's like but the thing is she has she really does have one of the harder characters to play in the sense of where she is in the movie you know it's like she has to still be that person that recognizes murphy as you know recognizes robocop as murphy and everything and 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 the and the thing it, it never seems weird um, she feels weird about recognizing those things, but like you said, with the with the gun twirl and everything, and mm-hmm. that, that she she picked up she picks up on that like really fast and really quick, and that they don't dangle that in front of her. It's like oh, is she gonna figure that out? And so the smartness of the script, the smartness of the directions that she got, and, and just her as an actor and performer, just keeping up with that with those moments and not letting those moments um, be suffused, you know, and it's like. You're totally, you're you're with her so much of that, and then so when when we get to the climax and she's she's down and she's possibly dying and she gets she gets to say or she gets to proceed the my favorite line in the movie when she says, "I'm hit bad, I'm hit bad, Murphy," or "I'm, I'm, I'm a her, mess, I'm a mess," and, the, and you just said a completely different line. <laughs> I know, I'm a mess, and uh, and and RoboCop goes, "They'll fix you." They always fix you. <laughs> They'll fix anything. They'll, They'll fix, fix everything. Any. They'll fix everything. So, yeah. Um, uh, but yes, I love her in this movie, um, even though she might be in a different movie. <laughs> Again, uh, like I said earlier, she is in NYPD Blue. <laughs> Bob Morton is in Wall Street. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Dick and, Jones and is, is on a futuristic version of Shark Tank. Yes. And, and, they, and they all work together. You know, so... Um, Mesh. Chris, you put something in the uh, chat, in our group chat. Um, mm-hmm. You said you felt the movie ended very abruptly? Well, yeah. I, no, here's the thing. Everything gets resolved. It's not like, it's not like there's, there's that, but it's just like if you think about the sequence of the final few minutes, it's literally Dick Jones takes the old man hostage saying, you, you, you know, RoboCop can't, can't stop him. He gets fired. He's free to be shot. The old man, old man moves aside. Robocop shoots him out the window. He falls out. He dies. Robocop just turns to leave. He goes, and uh, I believe the old man goes, "Nice shooting, son. What's your name?" And he goes, "Murphy." Cut to cut to credits. Mm-hmm. Immediate. Well, it, it, I didn't mean that in a bad way. I meant that it just it reminded me very much of kind of like an, an abrupt uh, kind of like how things like westerns would end. There's no right. there's, there's no denouement. There's no. Well, I think. There's no, there's no even like a short epilogue. Narratively, I think that is the denouement, um, because the climax of is the, the, film, the fight with Boddicker. <clears throat> yeah. Right, him killing Boddicker. That whole confrontation 
and then no, I, and I get that. I, I get all that. I'm just saying, in terms of pacing, it was just a just a sudden, a sudden like hitting a wall. Not not, and I don't mean in a bad way. Right. Like, it's just like we're done here. <clears throat> Out. <laughs> the funny thing to me about that last sequence is that at one point, um, Jones is chewing out Boddicker about uh, how Robocop's he, he records everything yes. and his memory is admissible as evidence. Yep. <clears throat> What does RoboCop do but plug into their bank of TVs? And play the video. Yeah, yeah I had to kill Bob Morton because he made a mistake. <laughs> like, yeah, real hypocritical of you, dick. Dick. Richard? Yeah, the, the, repeated, you, the repeated way that people really enunciate dick when they're talking to him. <laughs> just for uh, Boddicker when he sits down at the end, be like, I guess we're going to be friends after all. Richard. Richard. <laughs> Makes that whole... Oh, that whole thing just beautiful. Um, yeah, never really thought about the abruptness of it, but I think it, you are right. It is it. Well, it brought to mind, like I said, just because of the lot. Not only it's the dialogue, and then that cut makes me think it's like, oh, it's like a like a like like how a western would end. Mm-hmm. Well, I think also a lot of movies would want to take a few more minutes to be like, oh, how is Murphy dealing with this? Is Lewis okay? What's the fallout from this going to be? And this movie is like, no, who, fuck you. Who fucking cares? Actually, there is a cut. I mean, there is a cut scene that would have taken place after that that shows Lewis in the hospital as part of the news program. Oh, really? Yeah, there was one final news bumper I think that was meant to play after that. Whereas, like, they talk about uh, you know Boddicker, and then Lewis is in the hospital, and they were like, well, do you? Was like, they basically ask her, do you still want to be a cop? And she's like, yes, hell yeah. <laughs> Um, and at that time, and maybe uh, this RoboCop may have been one of the last of that <clears throat> time of movies where there was, a, you know, like Black Rain, uh, you know, the Clint Eastwood, Dirty Harry movies. This, the ending would happen and credits would come up. Well, yeah, they might be walking off well, yeah, it's down be, the it's, street. It, but, it, it mimics that idea yeah. of like, well... The big American hero took care of the problem. Yep. We're done here. There's yep. nothing else to worry about. Yeah. And uh, but I think shortly because even Starship Troopers kind of has a, you know. Well, Starship Troopers ends on one of the. It ends. It the movie begins and ends with one of those media break exactly. segments exactly. of look here's your heroic troopers led by uh, Lieutenant Rico as they go back off into war. I need to rewatch Starship <laughs> Troopers. That is a very <laughs> underrated movie. I, it's it's one of my favorites. Hmm. It, it is one of my favorites, and it's kind of one of the movies that brought me back to the this genre, this style of B B movie making or whatever. Um, big budget B movies, big budget B movies. And, um, you know, and the, that along with basic instinct, another Peter Verhoeven film. And, and it's like, um, he, he was Paul a, Verhoeven, Paul, Ver, Paul Verhoeven, not Peter Weller Verhoeven, Who's Peter Paul, Verhoeven, <laughs> Paul Verhoeven. He mentally fused Weller and Verhoeven into one being Peter Weller, Peter Verhoeven. Paul Wellerhoven. <laughs> but, uh, He's a master of that and uh, of that style of ma- movie making. Mm-hmm. I, I'm even going to, I mean, Showgirls, notwithstanding, e- even possibly part of that group. But um, but in the sense of that, like like Chris was saying, the heroic, we, we did what we're supposed to set out to do and it's done. We don't need any extra. Um, but I think Robocop would be one of the last to do that because everything after that started doing the, extended denouement denouement yeah 
Listeners, I'm sorry you've had to hear me clear my throat so many times. Much like talking about my robot sinuses, if I could have them. <clears throat> I know, mine right? Are, mine are killing me right now. <clears throat> um, just real quick to wrap up. Um, I know, Chris, you said that you hadn't seen RoboCop 2. Uh, Stan, have you seen RoboCop 2? I've seen RoboCop 2 and 3. Oh, I'm so sorry. I've I, also I, seen 3. Um, RoboCop 2 is, I mean, it's adequate. I mean, it's not, it's, it's not up there with... No, it's the nowhere original. near as good as this one. I like it for the nostalgia factor, and it's mm-hmm. a huge guilty pleasure of mm-hmm. mine. Um, <clears throat> RoboCop 3, however, is just straight-up garbage. It is Don't bother. Bad. And I... You know, I said I would never watch the Old Boy remake, but then after we did the episode about it, I went and watched the American Old Boy. Actually ended up not... It, it was pretty good, to be honest. I don't think the same could ever be said of the uh, RoboCop remake with Joel Kinnaman. But who knows? Maybe it, one of these days when I'm bored, I might watch it. I don't know. It's on for free. It really, it, it's, it's funny. I looked at that without ever having really seen the first RoboCop, and I was like, I feel like they've missed the point. Right. Yeah, exactly. It seems like <clears> the <throat> focus is way more on uh, the person and not... It's like the, enti- the, entire, the entire RoboCop movie is just about... <laughs> just in general, not about RoboCop. Right. He he's the hero. He is a hero. He does a great job. He saves the day. That's that's like that's almost like guaranteed. It's just everything happening around him that is the real movie. Yeah. All right. Well, listeners, um, that's going to wrap up our RoboCop oh, discussion. Go I ahead, did, Chris. I did have a couple more things. One, I did. I thought you were going to mention this because I dropped this in the chat too. RoboCop predicted DVDs. Yes, when, it did. When Boddicker comes in to kill Bob Morton, I mean, it it wouldn't have been a difficult idea to. To, to think of is like with the way CDs were coming into mm-hmm. to common play is like but they they thought it was like oh here's a like a kind of like a CD that would be able, be able to play video from what I, I from what I've read <clears throat> God my voice is really starting to go I'm sorry guys um, from what I've read they were supposed to have like a mini cassette tape I think mm-hmm. and then on the day of somebody was like here use this instead and gave them a CD hmm. again yeah it's just like just that that idea just like predicts dvds because bodiker pops in a a video of dick jones telling bob morton i'm about to kill you <laughs> which i love that because it looks like I mean, i'm assuming ocp owned a studio of some kind that he went down to sat down and had someone film him giving this little monologue because there were zooms and there were there were cuts <laughs> And then that same person had to then burn that onto a DVD. Yes. Hand it off for him to give it to Boddicker. Yeah. I wonder if that guy still had his job after that. Oh, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Were there more? Sorry. I, oh, I lost it. There was, there was something I was going to bring up and I can't remember it now, unfortunately. Well, that just means next month. You know what? We'll just do RoboCop for my next three perfect 10 picks. Um, you know what? Now that we're talking about it, that is a good point. What are we talking about next month? Oh, it's October. We're talking about Ghostbusters. That's right. My next perfect 10 pick is Ghostbusters. So that will be coming out in a couple of weeks. Last week, we did our wrestling pay-per-view marathon of three episodes. I don't ever want to... Do that, do that again? I don't ever want to do that again unless I'm getting paid to oh, be a sure. professional full-time podcaster. Understandable. Working a full-time job and then doing three podcasts in a week was uh, not fun. You Did you think of... I did. I, this seems like the perfect time to drop it in. Um, I just It was something that didn't really have a, a part anywhere else, and I thought of it. it as like It's interesting also in the movie, Robocop does not get a heroic entrance or introduction. You first see him behind that that kind of glass that's obs- that obscure that glass that obscures things, and you see him approach, 
And then the first thing you see is like the, uh, like the police officers who scramble to get a look. You just see a shot of his back. He's like, you, you really only see a full body look at him when he's finally exiting to get in his car. Because mm-hmm. uh, they also see him at the shooting range. But again, it's like you don't see him full on until he's leaving the station. Yeah, and even then, I, I want to say, you'd think I'd remember this given how many times I've seen the movie. I want to say you don't get a full body shot of him in all his glory until he busts up that uh, uh, gas station the robbery. Meal? Yeah, maybe. Well, no, I mean, well, the guy whose gun, he bends the barrel. Oh, right, the convenience store. Yeah, yeah, that's true, Yeah, because he just walks straight through the door. And I think, I, think, I don't know, I, I feel, uh, that feels like a, a conscious choice. Like, again, I feel like an American director at the time wouldn't have made that choice. Right. It feels like something, something very much an idea, a subdued idea that... It also plays back into the idea that he's constantly referred to as product. He's not meant to be thought of as this this great person. Right. He's just a product that they've made to contain an issue. Yeah. Oh, man. I fucking love this movie. <laughs> it well, is pretty good. Next month, like I said, we got Ghostbusters to look forward to. We've got a few more weeks before we uh, do any more wrestling coverage. Um, the next uh, WWE pay-per-view is... Survivor Series. Survivor Series. This month or next month? Is it's that... this month. Okay, so in the next week or two, we've got Survivor yeah, it's, Series. Yeah, it's toward the end of the month. I can't remember what day. And I know I keep threatening this, but uh, at some point, Katie and I are going to sit down and uh, do another Long Walk Teeny Talks. I'm also going to redo our branding at some point to reflect that there is now a fifth podcast on this network. This is a rewind with uh, David Two Dogs Hayes and Shelby Deathray Patterson talking about the uh, history of WWE and wrestling uh, in general. Mm-hmm. Um, Stan, if people want to reach out to you online and Twitter. give you uh, suggestions for robotic replacements, robotic, where can they do that? You don't at? need robotics. Facebook and Twitter. Of course. And what is your Twitter handle, Stan? George at 5-2. What is that even? <laughs> it's a lie, Dave. Stan or Chris. I don't have any social contacts, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> Chris, if people want to uh, reach out to you online, I, the CM Punk thing has died down. I can't make jokes about it anymore. I'm sad. Uh, if people want to argue with you online, where can they do that at? I mean, you don't want to joke about that you anyway. You can joke. You can argue you don't want about to, CM Punk. No, you don't want to joke about it anyway. There's a chance you might hear it and get really mad for months really? about it. I fucking defy him, too. There's no such Fuck thing as bad publicity. CM Punk. Uh, you I'm whiny a, little I'm bitch. A, I'm at okay on Twitter.com. Punk. I'll be there to relay any messages for Dave that might be needed. <laughs> Please do, because if you want to reach out to me, I'm on Instagram at dbhensley. Uh, if you want to keep up with the other podcasts on Instagram, you can follow at long walk podcast or at this is a takeover and also on Twitter at long walk podcast or this underscore pod. If you want to keep up with the long walk productions, you can visit us online at longwalk.us or you can search for long walk productions and long walk podcasts on Facebook. To see more of our original work or hear past episodes that are no longer streaming, you can follow the YouTube links in the show notes. Thank you very much for listening, and if you enjoy this show or any of the shows on the Long Walk Podcast Network, please make sure to leave us a rating and a review on whatever platform you are listening on. Peace out. You can keep the gum.